Watford, PSG, Everton. If it's not the mother of all weeks, then it might just be their auntie. Welcome to episode 16 of Cop On Podcast, you juicy little gumdrops. My name's Owen. You can email us, coponpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, at coponpodcast. Um, wherever you are, whoever you are, thank you very much for listening. I was delighted to be joined by Linus Lovegard uh, for this episode, and we're, we're not going to hang around like unwanted prostitutes on street corners. We're going to jump right in there. Here we are. Thank you so much, Linus, for joining me again. Um, yesterday was a was a splendid match of football. Uh, there are so many wonderful moments that all come flooding back in a in a crazy, joyous juxtaposition in my mind. If I was to ask you to pick one moment, the, the first great moment from the match that jumps into your head when you start thinking about Watford nil, Liverpool 3, what's the first one that leaps into mind? Well, I got two at the same time. So it's obviously the Trent free kick. Just moment of magic from him. It's an amazing free kick. Like the, He gets very much power on it, so the placement could have been better. It's not that far out, it's not very high, but it's so much power that the keeper just can't get to it. And then, obviously, I love uh, Firmino, so his uh, nutmeg, I think, on, I think it was Torredini at the, uh, what's he called, the outside line. I, it, oh, the, that, the touch that line. Me a lot. Yes. Yeah, touch line. Yes. Oh, it was wonderful, wasn't it? I mean, that was that was one that immediately sprung to my mind. Yeah, I mean, he sort of danced around, and Genie as well, both of them together. Beautiful moment. Yeah, absolutely great. Uh, Alison as well for me, very crucial save. I remember the save more than the mistake of that bad pass. But we'll get on to the details in a bit uh, to talk about, about them a bit more. But it's just great to have so much joy condensed into really one half um but speaking about you know this season uh we won the match convincingly in the end although it was a very difficult match how how does the win look in the wider context of this season well that's an interesting question because i feel this season we probably expected more of what we did last season, but with a better defense. And since we haven't gotten that, we feel like we're playing quite badly. And I, that's kind of true. Our attack hasn't been as fluent and as good as it was last year. But I think that's mostly because we've been focusing on not, lo- not uh, losing the games and trying to start by having a good defense and then uh, working our way upwards. And I think yesterday was a great, great way of showing that because in the first half we were quite boring we defended mostly we didn't really have a lot forward but then as the game progressed we felt we could move forward a bit maybe because the Watford players were getting a bit more tired and we just oh the spaces like for the first goal where uh, we create create space and opportunity for our front three Mane, Bobby and who were all involved in that goal, I think that we've played in a different way this season. And I think 
yesterday's game showed off that very well. I think you're right. Yeah, let's talk about that first goal. Uh, then, I mean, it, it arrived in the 67th minute. Um, just a quick recap of it. Firmino picked up the ball just inside Watford's defensive half uh, and he hit it left to Robbo and then made a, a central run from deep. It was actually the second time he'd tried that that I noticed. Uh, the first time he played it through at the start of the second half and Manny was offside. This time he played a delicious short vertical pass for Manny, who, who was suddenly in space. And then Manny, he absolutely leathered the ball straight to Mohamed Salah's trusty left peg. And in the blink of an eye and a swoosh of the Egyptian king's boot, the ball flew through Foster's legs and into the back of the net. Mo Mohamed Salah, what a finish. What did you think of it? I mean, have you have you seen it back, this first goal? Yeah, I, I, I love the goal, so I watched it back a few times. One thing that impressed me a lot is when uh, Firmino plays the ball out to Robertson, Mane instinctively is, runs straight down the left-hand side, which drags, I think it's two of the Watford players with him, so he can, Robo can play the pass into uh, Firmino, so the Watford players in, go back, and then Mane is pretty clear. He can just pass the ball to, to Mane, so he can just... He has a lot of time to just find Salah, who... The finish was... I, I think what uh, Foster maybe should have saved it, because it was quite him, but there was a lot of power behind the shot, and so uh, I think it was a great goal. I really liked it. I, yeah, I mean, I think so too. I, me too. I've seen it back here quite a lot of times, and that's a really good point about Manny taking the at the start of the move, Manny taking the defenders away. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, uh, but there were I noticed that also there were five Watford players in the box, and Manny when he's in that position in the box after Firmino plays him in. I mean, he doesn't have much of a target to aim aim at, and he just whacks it to Salah. And I watched it back in real time. I kept, you know, using the back arrow to go back five seconds to just see the actual speed of both Manny's Manny's cross, if you want to call it that, and uh, and Salah's finish. And it's just like absolutely lightning quick it's absolutely brilliant and if I were PSG I'd be quaking in me boots but we'll get on to them in a moment uh, our second goal arrived nine minutes later you've already talked about it a bit Trent Alexander-Arnold absolutely nailed a free kick that Firmino cleverly won on the edge of the box uh, drawing a foul for Mariapa um was was the keeper to blame? I mean, it didn't go in the. I mean, you already said it. I mean, he was. It was a very powerful shot. So I assume you're not pinning any blame on Ben Foster, right? Yeah, no. Uh, I don't think Foster is to blame. I think maybe he could have gone for the ball. I think that's where a lot of the blame comes from. He didn't try to go for the ball. I think if he did, he wouldn't have gone into it anyway. Because one thing, the ball ends quite centrally, but there's a lot of curve on it, and it goes quite high, and then dive so it's not always in the same position it it looks from the keeper's angle like it's going to go way more out and then it, it curves in so i think foster is not to blame there i think it's a very good free kick it's an amazing free kick excellent i mean he's played in the champions league final the world cup 
you know, he's he played in the World Cup and I, it's just his, his future looks so bright and he's one of these, you know, you know he's not going to do a sterling and, and bugger off after a after a, you know a couple of years he's he's in it for the long term and it's just such a joy to watch him develop isn't it yeah yeah definitely i i really like him i thought i i thought last season when we kept playing gomez out there i think i was one of the most cr- critical persons of gomez i thought he made quite a lot of mistakes i i watched him back a, a bit and i feel i was quite overly crit- critical but i felt even i think uh, trent played uh, some of the first games and I thought he was amazing so I was a bit disappointed when Gomez got to play over him but then when Gomez got injured and Trent got to play I think he just did an amazing job and I think the reason he's not been doing quite well and I've heard a lot of uh, people say this is because he doesn't have Salah to use a panic ball to the uh, channel on the right side for Salah to run on so he has to find other uh, ways of getting out of uh, difficult situations because Shakiri doesn't do uh, make those runs, but mm. I think he's been and defensively he hasn't been great. But I think he's only twenty. He's going to develop. He's got at least twelve, thirteen years, and I think think as as long as he continues to develop and continues getting better, I I don't see him leaving Liverpool, and. I don't think he's going to want to leave Liverpool either. I think he's a scouser at heart and he's not going to leave. It's wonderful stuff. It's all wins so far for us. It's absolute, And him, wonderful. We're delighted to have him as part of our group. Moving on to the third goal then. 89 minutes. Jurgen Klopp said this was one of the best counter-attacks he'd ever seen. Um... I was surprised by that comment. So I went back and I looked at it and it's pretty special. It's really special. It was it was a Watford corner that wasn't really dealt with at a time of the match where we were struggling a bit uh, in defence. But luckily for us, Virgil van Dijk was there uh, and he managed to hook the ball high into the air. Vijnaldum picked up the second ball, skipped away from two challenges on the edge of the box to go out left to the left back, left wing back position, where he played the ball 50 metres up the line to Robbo, who wasn't just on his bike, he was on speed on his bike. And Robbo dinked it round the tiring, lunging Etienne Capu and thundered down the line, this is the 89th minute, remember, before finding Mane, whose rocket shot was well parried by the very impressive Ben Foster, only for our man Bobby Firmino to nod in the rebound, 3-0. I was going bananas. How do you feel about that? Yeah, definitely. I I saw Robertson making that run and I didn't really think a lot of it. I he was just run, running, and I thought, yeah, he might. I didn't think he'd get to that because I think the Watford player was way closer to the ball. And then when he got it, I saw uh, Mane and Firmino just running along with him. So I thought, okay, maybe we'll get a goal. I, I was, I when Mane missed that goal, I kind of looked away, like in disappointment. And then when I looked back, I see Firmino celebrating, and I'm just wondering what happened. And that's kind of that. But I think Robertson's were great. Not the 90th minute, 89th minute, and he's still running like it's the game has just begun. It's the Champions League final. I think that that's what impressed me the most. 
He's unbelievable, isn't he? He's like a he's a dream left back. Are there are there many better left backs in the world? No, not at the moment. This season, I think he's been at least top three. I think like Marcelo's probably thought of as the best left back in the world, but I don't think he's been very good this season. I I think Real Madrid has struggled a lot, and so I think. I'm struggling to think of one left back that's had a better season than Robertson so far. I know that you watch the German league. We were talking about this before we started. Um, I mean, because I, I watch bits of La Liga, uh, Ligue 1, uh, of course, being based in, in France. And uh, I don't really have much time to watch uh, other leagues. Is there, is there anyone in Germany who's any good? <laughs> well, we have David Alaba by Munich. He's, yes. He is good. But it's not been good this season because Bayern have been struggling a lot because they haven't. I don't think they've done the right kind of business. I think so. I don't think he's been doing very well, and Dortmund's doing very good. But I don't think their left back is so much a reason for that. While Robertson is quite central to our defense, I think it's quite easy to see that he's one of the most influential players together with Van Dijk in our defense and maybe our whole team. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I. I heartily agree. And it doesn't matter who it is, even if it's a player I've never seen in the German league, I still wouldn't swap him for Robbo. What a guy. Excellent. So Klopp on the first half, if we talk about, I mean, all of those goals came in the second half, of course. The first half was nil-nil. Entertaining match. I was watching it with my goddaughter, Pelma, who's seven years old, and she was enthralled. More enthralled by the first half than the second. Jurgen Klopp said... Um, Watford defend like they defend. They are really well organised in a 4-4-2, hard working. Their build-up is pretty direct and you cannot defend Dini clear always. Clearly, Jürgen, I mean, you know, grammar. Because the ball is always dropping down with Deolofeu, Hughes and Pereira going in behind. It's so difficult. And then Capu and Ducore picking up all the balls and playing it direct again in this direction. It's so difficult to stay calm and we stayed calm. We had two really big chances in the first half after set pieces. We had other moments where we could have scored and Foster was there. That seems like a great summary of the first half to me. Um, I mean, but let's talk about the first big chance of the match. Uh, you know, disregarding the one that was clearly offside, uh, is the chance. The first chance came fell for Watford when Allison played that nervous, scuffed pass centrally to Firmino, uh, who was harried and dispossessed superbly by Ducore, and then Dikini, uh, Dini fed it first time to Deolofeu, who panicked a bit uh, and took his first touch a bit too late and Virgil was able to step in with his long powerful legs Virgil was pretty good yesterday we could say yeah definitely I think you can call me biased but right now he's probably the best defender in the world I, I feel because the way he's revolutionized our defense it's just remarkable and I think he was with Bobby Firmino at least in the second half our two best players I think Van Dijk really solid, solidified our defense together with Lovren. I think Lovren was quite good. And something I, I like to say about defenders is the less you notice them, the better they've been. Because with defenders, you often notice them when they make the mistakes or maybe they make a really good thing, they score a goal or something. But mostly you notice them when they make mistakes and 
I didn't notice our center backs very much yesterday, so that's as good of a remark you can get from me, I'd say. Well, absolutely. I mean, I don't know if you've, if you've seen the stats. I've got a few stats here from, from uh, the excellent thisisanfield.com. Everyone should check that out. And, uh, yeah, it just, uh, I mean, the headline is Van Dyke Immaculate again. On French uh, television, they called him monstrous yesterday, which is a, another good word. Immaculate is very good. Um, he, he, he had an 88% pass success rate and uh, not only did he win eight aerial duels but also a total of 11 all-round duels. He made eight clearances and three tackles. I mean, imagine he won 11 duels. Imagine the ball, you're playing against Van Dyke and the ball sort of goes anywhere near you and Van Dyke is marking you. He wins the ball 11 times from that position. I mean, that is dominance, isn't it? He's such, such an amazing player. And and our season may well rest on us avoiding injuries to players like Van Dyke, Salah, Alisson uh, and Robertson, in my opinion. Uh, but going back to Alisson, um, I mean, it's his dodgy moment. Gary Gillespie, in commentary on LFC TV, suggested that by Liverpool insisting on playing out from the back, Gillespie said there will be times when it's a little bit edgy, a little bit touch and go. My question for you, Linus, is can we learn as fans to just accept dodgy moments like that? Or will you forever panic like me well i probably will forever panic i think that the with our history of goalkeepers it's not that weird but i think it's something we'll have to learn because there's always going to be that dodgy pause there's nothing can be 100 perfect so i think once in a while we're going to get that dodgy pause but as long as we have like we don't concede from them i don't think there's going to be that big of a problem but if we concede from them and it costs us points it's obviously going to be a big talking point but I think that's just the nature of the game right now we it's playing out from the back and using the goalkeepers as effectively as possible and I think that's just going to be a, a, a consequence that's going to have to be accepted and I think I'm quite okay with that I think if that's what's going to happen for us to have a keeper like Allison in the team, I'm very much okay with that. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, good answer. And uh, how, what did you think of uh, Allison yesterday? I mean, of course, he redeemed himself with, what is it? What was an incredible save uh, again when it was still nil-nil from Pereira? The, the LFC TV commentator said, Pereira will score, surely! But no, Allison uh, made the save. I mean, he acquitted himself really well. I thought. What did you, what did you think? Yeah, definitely. I think apart from that one dodgy pass, I think he was uh, he didn't step a foot wrong. I think he made the saves we needed him to make, and he was just dominant in the box together with Van Dyke. I think, yeah, that's I he's he's probably quite central to how we want to play out from the back, and I think he does that so well. And yeah, I. I Definitely think he was one of the, our better, better players like last uh, uh, yesterday. 
But that's the thing with low clips. You don't really notice what they do unless they make a mistake. But I, I used I used to be a goalkeeper, so I I like to study the keeper. And I think Allison made some really good decisions and obviously some good saves. So I think I thought he was excellent yesterday. Yeah, me too. I agree. I agree. Um, another contentious moment uh, was. Um, actually in the second half when Watford had a penalty shout and Robbo stuck out his leg for me I think he actually caught Will Hughes on the shin and it should have been a penalty do you agree? I do I think even if Hughes uh, dives a bit there and makes the situation bigger than it is I think the nature of the situation is would uh, warrant a penalty I think if VAR was in the Premier League, like it's going to be next year. I definitely think that would have been a penalty. So, yeah, I think we got a bit lucky there. But it, uh, considering our stats, the luck stats I saw from last season, we deserved it. I think that, yeah, I just think that's a part of football. I think you're going to get those dodgy decisions. And I think we definitely I got lucky yesterday, but... Yeah, I, we got unlucky with other situations too. They they weren't that important as that as, as that one, but I think definitely we we should have, we should have had a considered a penalty there, but we didn't. And I think there's nothing to be gained from arguing about that. Well, yeah, I mean it's a good point about 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 VAR, uh, VAR, because uh, you know I think if you look at Henderson's bookings to 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 talk about that, you know, other controversial things. I don't think either one was was really a booking because the first one was after... I mean, he did push success over and normally it would be a yellow card, but it was only after success had, you know, ripped, almost ripped his shirt off. And then the second one was was barely even a foul. Capu sort of dived right in front of Hendo and uh, cleverly got him sent off. I mean... He didn't deserve a red card, did he? Am I am I being biased? I mean, I think VAR would would overturn at least one of those yellows. I I think both of the situations are kind of fifty fifty. I think the first one, yeah, you could see Henderson quite clearly trying to signal to the ref that the who uh, was yeah uh, success tried like success, with yeah. his shirt. And the second one, I think the reason he got the old part for that is obviously because it it kind of looks like he just pushed the guy to the ground, but also because he just a few minutes before he he pest, uh, were on the uh, referee like screaming at him, and I think he might have uh, built up that red card. Though I, yeah, I'm not sure if it was deserved. I haven't gotten the chance to watch that one back yet. I but. From what I can remember, I don't think it was a robot. I think, yeah. I mean, let's talk about that moment as well when he when he started effing and jeffing to the to the linesman, to the assistant referee. I I hate to see that. I have to say, I know he's extremely committed, and that's the excuse that these players give. But personally, I think if I think the referee should always be respected, nonetheless. I mean, of course. You can try and influence them if you want. But uh, I would like to see a world where, you know, where UEFA and FIFA and the governing bodies really start to clamp down on this this nonsense of talking to the referees. I think it should be an instant yellow card to say anything to the, to the assistant referee, unless you're the captain. But then 
he was the captain, but I would say it's an instant yellow card if you swear at the referee because they're just trying to do their job. You know, people, they can they, they get very passionate, uh, of course, the players, and there's a lot riding on it. You know, there's, there's uh, you know, not just the glory of winning a match, but there could be like lots of money riding on certain games like finals and things. But still, you've got to control yourself. You have to control yourself. As human beings, I don't know. Am I utopian? Am I too idealistic, Linus? Bring me back down to earth here. I'm getting carried away with my dreams. Yeah, I'll, I'll do my best. But I, yeah, I do kind of agree at the ref, the ref thing. I, I do think they have to take a lot of uh, crap, and I think the players often take out their aggression at the referees because. But I, I agree. I think it should be the captain that talks to the referee and communicates with the referee and the captain talks about to the other players. I don't think every player should be able to just go out, go off and scream at the ref. I think that's a very good point that I also agree with. But I also think, also think that the captain should be able to have an argument with the referee because if, if they don't agree with the decision, I think they should be able to tell that to the referee. They shouldn't they maybe could be a bit more calm about it than Henderson was yesterday, but yeah, I do think with the adrenaline, the passion and the emotions, that's probably going to happen regardless. And I think giving out yellow cards as soon as that happens is going to give quite a bad feel to the game. Maybe because there's going to be a lot more yellow cards and a lot more red cards from that. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, that will soon shut them up, won't it? If they if they start getting ye- yellow cards and red cards for being, basically being little, you know, idiots on the fit on the field, I think. Um, but yes, I thought Henderson was lucky to escape his second yellow after telling the assistant referee to f off or whatever he did. Uh, anyway, anyway, let's move on to happier things. We got three points. We are second in the table. Our best ever start in certain respects, like defensively, it's our best ever start to the season. Um, How are you feeling now about the possibility of overtaking City? I mean, they won 4-0. Yeah, I think something extraordinarily has happened to to City for them to start dropping points. I think we had them on the 1st of January or something like that. So I think that's going to be a very important game. And if we can stay on level footing, at least almost, uh, up until that point, I think that's going to be crunch match. Because I don't think neither us nor City are going to lose more than one or two games this season. We're not going to drop a lot of points. So I think that game might decide the season. And I think City's squad, and like they're, they're missing Mendy. I think they're missing Bernardo Silva. And they're missing De Bruyne right now. And they're not looking any worse of it. Like Sterling and Sané just scoring goals and assisting for fun yesterday. And I think they're, they're just looking like even better than last year, if that's even possible. Uh, yeah, it is a bit scary. But uh, what do you think about, you know, the fact that if, you know, psychologically speaking, if we can keep it to just two points, at some point they might crack you know they might start dropping points because they're like well we've just won our last 10 matches on the row scoring 40 goals and conceding two and Liverpool are still just behind us you know that that might come into play if we can keep winning yeah definitely I think last season no team even 
was even close to catching them up. They were they were way clear of the rest of the table at this point last season, I think. And now we are just at the table. We're two points behind. We're looking better and better for every game. I would I would say, and I think we're probably making them nervous. I don't like they're obviously not showing us on the pitch, but I think as we saw. Uh, at the game at Anfield between City and us, they looked afraid of us as we were. We were afraid of them too, but they genuinely was afraid that if we, if they attacked too much, they we would be able to beat them. And I think they had a lot of bad memories in last season in the Champions League and the league where we beat them quite, quite bad. We beat them at their ground too. Uh, uh, 2-1 even and we, we obviously lost 5-0 five, five too but that that was with a man sent off it's true yeah we do well to keep that in mind yeah absolutely the fact that we yeah we have beaten them convincingly uh, twice in the past year um, so yeah I, I mean I think we can do it but what about the other teams behind us obviously Tottenham beat Chelsea yesterday can you I mean is it just us and City in the title race, or or are there more teams involved this season? Well, I think at the top, obviously, there's a lot of teams uh, doing very well. Tottenham's doing very well, even though they're not looking very convincing. Uh, we're obviously doing well. City's doing well. Arsenal, right now, they're up 2-1 to Bournemouth, and uh, Chelsea, Chelsea, like all of the top, top six clubs except Man United, are doing very well at the moment. So I think that's a, that. But I, I think in the end, like I don't think Chelsea, Tottenham, or uh, Arsenal, maybe Tottenham, but not Chelsea or Arsenal, are going to have the maybe manpower and uh, for the whole season. Because I, you could see clearly yes, yesterday when Tottenham played Chelsea. When Hazard went creating chances and scoring goals, and you, it's been like that for a couple of games now, they aren't looking as good. The rest of the team aren't up to that level. So I think Chelsea in the end, because I don't think Hazard is going to be able to play every single game during this holiday season and next next year. So I do I do don't think they're going to be up there coming come. Uh, April and May and Arsenal I don't think they have the manpower either for it so, so I think it's most likely us and City fighting and maybe Tottenham too but I don't think that's likely Yeah I mean you could never really write Tottenham off um, or or Chelsea really I mean the thing that Tottenham did so well yesterday for me was uh, they they really had a plan to stop Jorginho and when you stop Jorginho, you stop Chelsea from playing. And Chelsea were all at sea because every time Jorginho got the ball, he was sort of, there were three men or two men around him stopping his little passes. And it's sort of, you know, taking out the the bark from the tree. So you just have a, a hollow tree and then the leaves all die. It's uh, it was uh, it was excellent and very simple tactic that uh, um, you know hats off again to Pochettino. What a manager, Pochettino. To to segue into 
our next section seamlessly. Pochettino used to play for Paris Saint-Germain. We've got Paris Saint-Germain on Wednesday. Um, on a scale of 1 to 63 billion, how excited are you about this one, Linus? About as excited you can get. I am very nervous about the game because very important. But I, as a Liverpool fan, we live for these big European games. And it's so fun to see because it's been a while since we were at this level. Obviously, last season was a fairy tale. But before that, I, we hadn't even gotten out of the group stage for a very long time. So I'm just enjoying it or enjoying the moment. And it doesn't get a lot bigger than PSG away. I, I can't wait. I can't wait. I will actually be there as well. I mean, I, I'm, I could, I could, I could weep uh, for, for, for joy again. Second time in a month I'm going to see Liverpool after having about 10 years of, of not seeing them at all. So I'm absolutely delighted to be watching it. And uh, the mood in the city, I can tell you a bit about that. I've, PSG fans are a curious bunch, at least the ones I know. They're very demanding of their players. Like, you know how when the French national team is doing badly, uh, they, the, the fans start booing the team. It, it's, it's the same with PSG. They demand the absolute best. And even though they're currently on a 14-match domestic winning streak, so they've won 14 out of 14 in Ligue 1, which is a record across all of the top five European leagues uh, the history of them. No team has ever won their first fourteen matches. A lot of the, uh, the a lot of the fans they they're not convinced about this team, uh, and and one of them actually texted me yesterday saying he thinks Liverpool will give Paris a lesson in football because Paris they 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 they're too individualistic. They don't play as a as a team. And this is a general sense of amongst fans, anyway, of PSG. Um, I, I mean, are you confident? What, what do you think's gonna, gonna happen? Well, I, I think depending on how Klopp decides to organize the team, I think we could see two approaches. I think we could have the very pragmatic approach that we had against, like City, and just trying defend and counterattack with Gomez at right back and Lovren. Van Dijk in the middle uh, as centre-back, which is what I think we're going to do. Or we could do what we used to do last year. We just came at them and tried to attack them. I think that might be the better option now when you're saying like, if it doesn't go well, the fans might turn on the team. So I think if we just put them under pressure early, we might get the fans nervous. They might start almost turning on the team. And I think that might get the... Affect, affect the players too. I think that might be a nice, might be a good idea, but I'm not quite sure how we're gonna uh, set up as of right now. Well, I think it depends on their personnel as well. I mean, Mbappe and Neymar are both uh, doubts. I think, especially Neymar compared to Mbappe. Did you see any? Did you see either of their injuries? And and how would you feel it if feel if either of them were to miss this match? Yeah, I didn't actually see any of the situations. I heard Mbappe's, Mbappe's were qu quite 
uh, horrific. I think he landed on his shoulder, and it looked quite bad. But uh, I, we had a bit of a conversation about this on Twitter. That's why I'm asking. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm a bit torn on this still. I obviously it wouldn't be the same like beating Paris on in Paris wouldn't feel like that much of an achievement anymore if not if uh, Mbappe and Neymar aren't playing but on the other hand I I want Liverpool to win no matter what what the what the stakes and I I think if uh, Mbappe and Neymar being gone helps that I think okay that's good but so I'm a bit torn I I I for the enjoyment of the game I think having Neymar and Mbappe there would be better but I think for Liverpool's chances, I think it's better if they don't play, obviously, because they're great players. So Sorry, no, to, sorry to interrupt, but I mean, if that for me, that just means that you've got a slight doubt about Liverpool's quality. Because, I mean, and that's understandable. I mean, Neymar versus Trent, for example. I mean, if you think back to the first match, I remember before the match, I was like, ooh. What's Trent going to do against Neymar? Because there is a difference between any anything the Premier League has and Neymar, who is a top, top, top player. Um, but I think now I'd prefer to, 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 to have the belief in our players and just say, well, yeah, Trent, you can do it. You can stop this guy. And Mbappe, yes, I mean, his form this season, because I've been watching Paris Saint-Germain, uh, Mbappe has been sp- Sparkling, like so quick, the quickest player, one of the quickest players I've ever seen in my life. Uh, but I want to see them both play because I think Virgil, Joe Gomez, Trent, even Degsy Lovren, Andy Robertson, and Allison. Between us, we've got enough to stop them. Is that fair? Is it sort of, you know, do you think there's some truth? It could be some kind of lack of belief in Liverpool's quality. No, yeah, that's a fair. That's a very fair point. I think I do think we have the quality to stop them because this season we've shown our very, very good defense. So I'm, I'm still a bit torn. I think I, I probably would like to see them play because it's gonna make the if we win, it's gonna make it feel so much more sweet and it's gonna be so much better. So yeah, I probably hope that they play. I expect them to play, to play too. They didn't play. They weren't, weren't even on the bench this weekend but I would be very surprised if they weren't back for the game. Maybe Mbappe won't be back because his shoulder injury seemed quite bad. He seemed to be in a lot of pain but that might just be that pain and he might just be able to take some painkillers and play. Well yeah I can tell you what happened with Mbappe because I, I watched it and it, he um, yeah he fell over he, he, he jumped over the keeper because he was on a one-on-one situation the keeper came out jumped over the keeper landed on his shoulder and it, and it did look really horrible and he he uh, signalled immediately to the bench to be substituted but then the bench the doctor said no 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 you're all right so he actually played on for just a minute or two before actually before signalling again to the bench and then they took him off um, but when he came back out in the second half uh, I mean, he came out of the dressing room, he sat on the bench, which is already a good sign, but he didn't have any visible sort of ice packs or anything. And he was like laughing and joking with the other uh, French substitutes. So I think, I have a feeling, 
though I don't know. I have a feeling he'll be okay. He missed the match against Toulouse yesterday, but I think he'll be all right. Neymar, I haven't seen, but uh, apparently it was a groin strain and they usually take longer to heal. But, um, okay. Uh, finally, then, we have to go because it's been so, so nice talking to you, Linus. Thank you so much for giving up your time. One final question. What's your what's your score prediction against Paris Saint-Germain on Wednesday? That's a hard game. It could go either way. I'm going to be positive. I think we're going to win by, like, I think 2-0 is good. A good, a good scoreline. I think we might concede because they have a so uh, so prolific attack and they've scored so many goals this season. Maybe it's 2-1, but I, th- I think we're going to score two. I think Salah's going to get one and uh, maybe Van Dijk on a corner. That's my prediction. Well, I'm sure if that prediction comes true, we'll all be dancing wild can-cans in the street. Thank you so much to Linus Lovegaard for joining me there. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. You can follow Linus on Twitter at LFCChamp18 underscore 19. You can also follow Cop on Podcast if you like at Cop on Podcast or send us your hate mails to coponpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you to everybody who supports us on Patreon and thank you so much just for listening. You put the cream in my eclair au chocolat. Uh, Thank you so much for being you and up the reds.